Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brenslick. Okay, so this beginning story is for anyone who is listening who has a hard time charging for the services that they deliver. <laughs> so uh, earlier this week, we had, we, we invited, no, uh, we called a bat guy over to our house, not Batman, um, a bat guy. Well, he would like you all to know that he takes care of way more than just bats. Um, but we noticed last year that we had a lot of bats coming in and out of our porch, like overhang roof thing. And Kirby was kind of dragging his feet on it. And then something kind of clicked where he finally realized that like the longer bats are in your house, the, more, the deeper and deeper into the house they get. Um, and that one day he was going to have to confront a, a bat inside our house. So that got him motivated. So we called this bat guy. So I come home from work and he's already there, like looking around our house, talking with Kirby about like all the things he needs to fix. And I kind of get there just towards the end uh, when he's like figuring out his, like his quote for us. So I come home, I'm like, what's going on with the bat guy? And Kirby's like, he's out in his car figuring out a quote for us. I told him he could just email us, but yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he goes, he said, there's a lot to do. And I'm like, Duh. yeah, we live in a very old house. We lived here for 11 years. The thing's been built since 1930. We haven't done any <laughs> like external repairs. So I can only imagine all the fun little places a bat can hide. And Curb's like, all right. So like, are we in agreement that if this is less than a thousand dollars, we're just going to pull the trigger on this. And I go, gosh, if there's a lot of stuff to do, Kirby, this could be like three to $5,000. Now, this is a good place for me to let you know that neither Kirby nor I are very like handyman. So we have no concept of things. But like, I'm like, I was thinking this could be in the thousands because I've seen the outside of our house and like where all the fun, again, fun places for bats to get in. So he knocks on our door. I, you know, greet him like, okay. So he, and you can just tell right away he is so nervous and he's holding his yellow legal pad and I peek at it and it says $963. So I already know like, oh, Kirby was more like in my head, Kirby was accurate. Okay, great. We're going to say yes on this. And so, but he hasn't like showed me the number yet. He's like, okay, so, you know, I did some, some math and I, anytime I make a quote, I always like make sure that I'm, I'm quoting the accurate price based on materials. Cause like, 
materials are really high right now and you can just see them spinning and spinning. And now just for a little background on this guy, he let me know that he was relative. He's just a one man show because he just started. Um, I don't know I'm going to put him at like 28. Um, but so he's just sweating, just like having to tell me. And he's like, now I will say that like, this is one of the higher estimates. Um, because you know, you got, you got a lot, you got a lot of places that need to be fixed. And again, I'm just waiting for him to tell me it's going to be $963. I'm relieved. I literally was prepared for like, what are we going to do if this is like $3,000? Like we're going to do it because it's bats in our house. So I'm like relieved just waiting for the dude to shut up and get to the point that, okay, your job is $963. He gets around to it. He says it and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, he had told me in this like spinning in circles thing that he was doing that he will only take jobs if people um, promise that they will install a bat house. You know, many of you are learning lots of things because like he's going to get the bats out of our house. He's going to seal up all the places, but then those bats just go to another place. And another reason that we got really motivated is our next door neighbors last year had a bat guy, a different bat guy um, come and we're like, oh, what are they doing? And I was talking to her like a couple weeks later and she's like, hey, just so you know, we had bats. And I'm like, yeah, we also have bats. And she's like, well, the guy said that, like, if you have bats, your neighbors have bats. And then once they seal up our house, the bats are more likely to go to your house. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is not, really sounds like a problem. So anyway, so he finally says the number. And I'm like, cool, yeah. Um, can you install that bat house, too? Oh, man, you should have seen him. He's like, oh, okay, well, that's not in the estimate. Um, so, yeah, yes, I can. Um, but that's, that's going to that's gonna be more. Um, let me see how much a bat house costs. And we're about to sit down to dinner. And I'm like, hey, we're about to eat. You know what? Don't worry. Like, just shoot me an email with how much additional that. He's like, no, 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 no. I want you to be prepared for how much it's going to cost. I'll spare you retelling the story for the next, like, three to five minutes where he looks up how much a bat house is. They, on Amazon, range from, like, $50 to 110 But he tells me he can build a better quality one that he thinks he can do for 100 And I'm like, great. And he's like, then you're going to need a pole. I'm like, you're right. I, I, yep, I assumed I would need a pole. So then he looks up on Menards, which is basically like Wisconsin's Home Depot. They don't have metal poles in stock. And I'm like, yeah, again, you can just let me know. And he's like, no, no, no. Finds a pole. Okay, it's going to be like $64 for the pole. Then he has to walk me through what he's going to do. He's going to dig a hole and he's got to pour cement. So that could take like two hours of work. And so he finally tells me like, it's, it's probably going to be like $300 for me to build this bat house and install it. And this brings the total up to 1200. Are you okay with this? And I'm just like, like curb, you okay to pay $300 for someone else to install the bat house? And curb's like, yep. <laughs> and we're like, cool, cool, cool. Sounds good, dude. And so here's the point to all of you who charge money for a service and you don't accept insurance. Like, we are so nervous to tell people what the cost is because sometimes people are shocked. But I was I did not want bats in my house. I had no better solution than giving this guy whatever 
he said it was going to cost to get the bats out. And he was so nervous. And I was like, I would have paid you five times more. I wouldn't have been happy about it. And we would have had to budget, you know, like, but I would have paid five times more. And you're so nervous about this price. Take my money, shut up and get the damn bats out. And so, you know, your patience, you've got patients that are in pain. You've got patients that have seen other doctors. You've got patients with kids that they are, they're on the meds and they, the meds aren't working and they are just desperate for you to tell them, tell me what to do. I have this problem. I am incapable of solving this problem. And especially if you're dealing with a parent, it sucks when you cannot solve your child's problems. And I feel like we forget this as chiropractors because the glorious thing is how many of our children's problems we can solve um, by adjusting them. So it's, it's, it's rare. It's rare that we've got a kid that we're like, I don't know what to do with this. So we got to take him to the doctor and I am, I feel helpless. And the doctor is going to tell me what our solutions are. We just don't have that disconnect because of a lot of our knowledge. Um, and so it's hard for us to empathize with other parents or people who are in pain who are like, I have no idea what's going on. Just tell me. Just tell me how to fix this and take my money. So there's your inspirational money mindset story. And I hope the bat guy doesn't listen to my podcast because he's going to come back with a much higher quote. Okay. So today's guest. Oh, no, no, wait. I have a listener highlight. Okay. So today's highlight is um, from, well, I don't really know their name. It's GSM Chiropractic, which, oh, it's Dr. Morgan, Dr. Morgan Wareham, which I don't know. I wonder if that's the M in GSM. I don't know what GSM stands for because it's Columbus Mobile. No, I bet the M stands for mobile, but her name is Morgan Wareham. What does the G and the S stand for? Oh, I need to know. Anyways. She's a chiropractor, and she was a part of a re-entry group for the WDC that I talked to um, a couple weeks ago. If you don't know what the re-entry group is, you should, especially if you're a non-practicing chiropractor. Uh, re-entry is a free program that the WDC, the Women Do Doctors of Chiropractic Association, puts on for women that are re-entering the profession. Maybe they got taken out by an injury maternity leave, stay-at-home momming, whatever, whatever the reason. Um, and they get the, they get to go through this program and graduate with a lot of skills. And they like the WDC brings in experts. I'm an expert. Um, so talk to them. And so I was talking about social media. So uh, Dr. Morgan says, just wanted to say thank you for talking to us in the reentry group Tuesday. You're doing a great job, and I enjoy your podcast immensely. It keeps me grounded while I'm trying to raise these toddlers and attempting to build my practice. Love it. So thank you. She obviously has a mobile practice, and we are all just hanging in the dark, wondering what the heck that stands for, GSM. Okay, but anyways, today's guest, who I'm excited. So I unofficially met this woman. Her name is Emily Heisey. And she is a physical therapist down in Texas. Um, like technically, I'm going to call it Dallas. I don't think it's Dallas. I think it's like a thing of Dallas. Like, you know, it's a metro, but like it's in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So I found her through Instagram where I find a lot of people because 
She's a pediatric physical therapist who has a pediatric chiropractor on her team. And I was like, this is cool. And their social media is beautiful and educational. And so I started messaging with them and talking. And then all this stuff happened with the CDC, <laughs> doing some, some crazy shit. And I asked, I was like, hey, I would love to have you on. And I would love to talk about your clinic that you've created, how you and the chiropractor work together for the betterment of these kids. Um, and let's talk about what the CDC was smoking when they changed some of these milestones. So Dr. Emily Heisey, uh, like I said, she is a physical therapist. She's a graduate of UT Southwestern and has practiced, practiced pediatric PT for 12 years. She specializes in a wide spectrum of diagnoses, including torticollis, gross motor delays, neurological conditions, and orthopedic injuries. Her patients range from birth to 18 years old. She chose pediatric PT because of children's positivity and their strong determination. She loves tackling any issue that presents itself with science and creativity. Thinking outside the box as she assesses and plays with kids is what brings her the most joy. And she loves physical therapy. So like anybody who loves, oh wait, did I say physical therapy? Chiropractic. <laughs> She loves physical therapy too, obviously. She apparently loves that more because that's what she became. But we won't hold that against her uh, because she has a huge heart for pediatric chiropractic. And so anybody who loves kids getting adjusted is automatically a friend in my book. So before we jump in, we are going to do what we do on every episode. And we're going to just take a moment, connect with our heart and connect with God. Take a breath. Close your eyes if you can, unless it is dangerous. Connect with your heart. Check in. How are you doing, friend? Is the world feeling really heavy today? I want you to know that you are incredibly special. And the work you do, whether you are touching the lives of barely anyone because you're just getting going in practice or you're taking a break, or you are checking and adjusting and impacting hundreds of people a day, a week, you are doing really hard work. And I'm so proud of you. And I know that you are doing your absolute best and that sometimes that best feels like horseshit. But you are in this journey, you are growing, you are looking to grow your heart and expand your love and your reach and become a better human. And I am so grateful for you spending this time with me and Emily. So in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Here is my conversation with Dr. Emily Heisey. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. So thank you. Welcome to the show. I Thank you. I, no, I was excited to be on this for several reasons, but first and foremost, being um, it being pediatric, but two, being, you know, the merging of like chiropractic and PT. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. You've been taking that on crazy. on your social media lately. Yeah. I get a lot of heat for that. I can take oh, it. It gives me nervous diarrhea to like think <laughs> about, to think about like, the things that you get 
I have like a major fear of rejection. And so like when you put out a story that was like PTs, just wondering, what do you think about this relationship? And I was just like, oh God, what is she going to get? In, in, and it's just, it's wild. I think it's um, really something that goes back to what we all learned in school and what those professors learned in school and what those, and, and, and that's it. There is no basis for what, why there should be division. So what I kind of get, kind of get is the like rotator cuff sciatica kairos yeah. and PTs that are like, no. I'm going to fix their sciatica. And I'm like, cool, go yeah. ahead and fix it. I actually, I have <laughs> joked many a times with my staff that the PT up like the street from me, I, I deserve a freaking fruit basket for how many people I refer to them. I'm still waiting on my first referral, but because I'm just like, you know what, John, I don't know. I gave you what I got. Go see PT. For sure. But when it but, comes to pediatrics, I don't get the turf war. There isn't one. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, but no one is doing it right now. Like literally, I I do think that maybe me and Matt, actually, I, I don't know of anybody else who's doing a cash-based pediatric, um, you know, family health PT Cairo model. And it's just weird because it and, just, and doing it together. It, it just it really, makes sense. It just makes so much sense. Like not to be cliche, but like, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Now I do have a question. Do you have OT in there? Because wouldn't, does like OT make sense in this you know, whole like love triangle? But no, we should clarify you and Matt are not together. You are. No, 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 no. He, uh, he has a wife and I yes. have a husband, although his wife's name is Emily. That, um, that's really complicated. <laughs> No, um, but it, I like to stick with what I'm good at and what I know. Um, I, I know PT, um, I know how it works. I know how patients get better with that. And I have had my daughter in chiropractic before. So I feel like I have a grasp on how that intermingles with PT. So no, I think, I don't think I'll ever get OT in there. I like to stick with what I'm good at and just yep. hone in on it. What are some of the like most common cases? Like, what are your like, oh, hell yeah. I'm so glad you called Cairo and PT are going to blow this out of the water. Like, what are some of the main conditions? Main ones. I think the the ones that make the biggest uh, impression on people is probably like CP. Okay. Like the kiddos that in it's, it's phenomenal, really. Um, these kids have spasticity, right? So literally the the quicker they try to move, the more rigidity they're going to get into their muscle. And so it's like an all or nothing. They're either going to go here or here, but they have to work in mid range in order to transition, to pull the stand, to walk. Um, and we have literally seen without medication, children with spastic quadriplegia, arms, legs involved, sit upright, transition. They are physically working and moving through their spasticity because of those muscle restrictions and those joint restrictions are freed up. And then neurologically, I'm now working in that new range of motion. And it we've seen kids walk who couldn't sit six weeks before. That's like, incredible. like it is incredible. And that's well, why and people, people literally do fly to do intensives. Like that's something that your clinic does is like, yeah, these intensives. Yeah. We have, we have five like international families in right now, Saudi Arabia, Canada, Brazil. I think there's two Canadians. 
Um, but yeah, they come because, you know, no one else is doing it. And that's why it gets a lot of, you know, flack from people because what people don't know, they like to criticize, but I don't care. I mean, we're making the money. (laughs) Did you know Matt before or like, did you go like, how, how did chiropractic get involved in your life? Yeah. So, um, I would say coming out of school, I was probably, I'm like the least granola person there is. Okay. Yep. I I can relate to this. I like have to sneak ibuprofen to like chiropractic conferences because (laughs) I like to party. And yeah. I get hangovers because I'm 35. And so the yeah. next morning when I'm going to my chiropractic conference, I can't rely on these bitches to bring ibuprofen for my hangover. No. So I have to bring my yeah, own because yeah. you're not allowed to ask for that. Yeah. Oh, I, like, I need to tell you about these little coke in my, <laughs> my hydro jug. This right. Is, I don't drink aspartame. It's killing us all. I know. Right. It's only organic stuff. Yeah. So I coming out of school, I probably was like so many of those other PTs, like PT is the only way to go. Well, when I had my second daughter, um, she, she was around 10 months. She was not doing anything but sitting. And for the life of me, I couldn't do anything to get her to move. She wouldn't let me touch her. And I was like, I'm, I'm a good, I'm a PT. Like I should be able to do this. And I was like, but I can't, there's something that's inhibiting her. And I knew that there was some kind of restriction in her left hip. Um, I think it started as in utero positioning and it, um, ended, primarily because of how um, hard and how much um, she had to go through with her acid reflux. So literally I would have never gotten anywhere. So I, I found a pediatric chiropractor and I said, I don't know what you're doing <laughs> really, but it sounds like you're doing something. And so the first visit, I swear she used the activator mm-hmm. um, and I was like, that's not going to help. What the, yeah. I swear, I swear Heidi screamed bloody murder that night and was so sore. I was like, Okay. And then she let me move her into the side sitting position. And I was like, holy crap. So for six weeks, and this is where my whole like business model is built up of for six weeks, I did, um, chiropractic two to three times a week and 20 minutes a day. I worked with Heidi because that's all I can muster up because it sucked. It sucks when you have to work with your own kid. And she went from just sitting to transitioning, crawling, pulling to stand and walking six weeks. 20 minutes a day, chiropractic. And I said, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a business off of this because it's the, I've done it with my own child, my own child. I've seen the results and I I don't see why this wouldn't work. And so fast forward, um, I am doing my own thing um, at an outpatient orthopedic clinic, you know, um, renting space from a friend. And uh, Matt just DM me one day and was like, Hey, you're local. Um, you know, I, I see a couple kids. Um, <laughs> let's let, I, I, I want to, you know, I'm doing a couple things on social media. Let's, uh, let's talk about business. And I said, okay. And first off, I think everyone sucks too. Um, I think, you know, clinically I'm like, I, I think that if you have to always prove yourself as a clinician. Um, so I, I have like very high, okay, hold on. And, Here I go, everyone. Um, do you, have you heard of the Enneagram? Yes. I'm an eight. Okay. I'm so glad you had an answer because I was like, it, I do this all the time. I should just, I, this is like 150 episodes and I still forget to just ask right off the get go. Like, do you know what you are? Because inevitably yeah. I'm like psychoanalyzing people of like, Hmm, 
Sure. We're in the three, seven, eight world. Okay. Where is she? Yep. Yep. And Matt is a seven. Uh, my husband's a three. Oh, uh, three and so, eight in the same household. Yeah, it works. It works. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so. So Matt, I, yes, Matt reached yeah, out so to you. Matt, and so, yes, he reached out and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then I referred him one of my like most challenging CP patients and um, I still have videos of it. And he, um, it was, yeah. And I, I now tell him that I said, okay, (laughs) no, I don't think I told him it was a test probably until like recently I was like, you know, that was your test. And he's like, what? I'm like, you, you succeeded, but that was your, your test. And I, and then I said, well, now you're worth something like you're like, I know you're amazing because you've got this kid sitting and moving and I could do about 70% 70% of that, but I couldn't do the rest. Like you, I had to have an adjunct in there. And after that, um, I tried to get him to come like work in my office. That's when I just moved over to where I am now, uh, but have expanded since. Um, and he was like, yeah, I might maybe just like one day, you know, he was working for the man for a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, so anyway, finally fast forward, he, he made it over here. Uh, we're we're rocking it he sees adults and kids um and then I only do uh the camp families and I have three other PTs who um see a little bit of local a little bit of camp okay but we all in it's it's 100% Cairo PT model oh that is that is very cool people love it people love it so then besides CP what would you say is the next one that torticol um, oh it's hard torticolis or acid reflux acid reflux probably and you think um you know me and Matt talked about doing like some kind of seminar on this but acid reflux which is going to go a lot with torticolis um it presents pretty intensely when it comes to gross motor development, like you'll notice asymmetries in um, them not wanting to roll. And then that turns into them just wanting to sit in one spot. Now they won't transition. All they want to do is throw back. Now those back extensors are so tight that they can't, um, they can't really do anything outside of that position. They can't sit. It's crazy. So taking away those, um, knowing how acid reflux is going to affect a child and they start showing signs of it at like eight weeks man, we can just take away months and months and months of therapy, but keep them on a wellness plan, which is very, very cliche. Uh, I guess maybe to say, maybe not in your world, but like, or maybe it's taboo rather in the PT world. There's nothing, there's no such thing as wellness. I have a PT, a pediatric PT who I see. And she, it's funny because like I was talking, we were doing a doctor meeting and and um, someone was like, why is, she, why is this patient only once a month? Like I'm looking at the notes and they're kind of I'm like, don't, don't spook her. Okay. The fact that she is coming once a month is like, we are working on her long-term. It is okay. Uh-huh. She thinks that, you know, so yeah, that's. A, so, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've had this discussion with a lot of other PTs. I'm like, this is where. I feel like the medical model is going. It's going more towards wellness because insurance is outrageous. People can't get the care that they want. And there aren't the clinicians that are even there, whether they've lost your job because of this or that. Um, And then everyone's worked to death. So 
this is where it's going and patients love it and we're saving them so much more money and and we are exclusively cash based um but people don't bat an eye yeah yeah i mean it's your kid you're yeah. okay so how long have you been in practice then like mm. this is wild so i've been treating for like 13 years okay um i have been i've had my llc 20 months okay um, so you've and- been yeah. So you've been seeing kids for 13 years. Yeah. Like okay. 13 years. So I've been a pediatric chiropractor for 11 now. And so like, I, I love, I didn't know if you were exclusively pediatrics or whatever, yeah. but um, so we're here to talk about CDC. Yes, yes, yes. Thingy, thingy, my Bob. Um, we don't know what they were smoking. Um, <laughs> I will say, and I want your opinion on this, that I'm not, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked um, that this was their air quotes solution. Um, I, you know, like, but then I'm also not shocked because so what I've been seeing in practice is kind of this slow digression yes this creeping increase in diagnoses mm-hmm. and you know so one of the things we've been asking for the last five years and i promise there's a question in here somewhere but you're to talk so that's what the question is going to be so for like the last five years with adhd and autism and all these like neurological mm-hmm. neurotypical things you know mm-hmm. everyone's like are we just getting better at diagnosing? diagnosing, Right. And it's a good question, right? It's kind of like, yeah, you know, like I'm definitely not neurotypical and maybe I would have been diagnosed with something as a kid or, you know, whatever. And, and, but I can tell you confidently that the number of children I have age kindergarten on up claiming they want to kill themselves because their anxiety Mm -hmm. is so bad is way more than when I started 11 years ago. So like, is the question, are we diagnosing anxiety more maybe, or are we catching it more? But like, no, 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 no. It's environmental. 11 years ago would have said, my kid wants to commit suicide. Like we would have been aware of that. But that's environmental, don't you think? I mean, yes. So social I think media. with the CDC's response yeah. to like, this is what we're going to do. It kind of takes it away, away the question we've been asking of like, is this just we're diagnosing more? And it's like, no, we're seeing this more. So talk, talk to me about that. You think environmental? I think, yeah, I think, I think it's a couple things. It's um, yes. It is. Yeah, it, it, I, I think one, if you want to just put it out there, I think a lot of it has to do with the man and the insurance companies. I think they are wanting to not pay for some of these early um, intervention services or or just our outpatient services, um, outpatient PT, OT speech. Um, They don't care about this proactive approach. Um, And if they push back, you know, when a child should be doing some of these milestones or take it out, because a lot of times crawling is the big milestone that kiddos come before it's never rolling really it's always either crawling or walking um and then obviously some impairments within that you know janky crawl or toe walking whatever um but if you take that out well people are paying into that model but you sure don't have to pay for services so you don't need the referral because oh my god you must be so pissed so like as pediatric (laughs) chiropractors 
we're like, well, they haven't been paying for us for a long time. Exactly. You got to be furious. Yes, because so what that's doing it. Yes. So now you're creating this bigger gap. And so it's now for a kid that should have been crawling at eight to 10 months, we're at 15 months, still can't walk because the impairment should have been addressed with crawling. Now it's going to take so much longer to address things. But even with that being said, like the, I don't know, they're the money issue. I think they think they're getting around it, but I think they're just making it worse. And now it's almost impossible to fix things quickly. Yeah. So talk to me about crawling because like, I rem- I'm sure back in neurology, I like had a lot more, but now I'm just like, yeah, it helps the right brain talk to each other. But like, talk to me about why crawling is so important and like what it sets a kid up for. Yeah. Um, so basically crawling, like you said, yeah, it's connecting the right and left side of the body. It's that co-contraction and it's that bilateral coordination that you need for a lot of higher level skills, such as skipping, riding a bike, um, reading while sitting in your chair and not like falling out, right? Because you have to have the postural stability. Your basic, your, your posture, if you see kiddos two, three, four up um, and they're the really clumsy kiddos or they like to sit hunched over, I guarantee you they probably didn't do a lot of crawling because that quadratus lumborum, one of the main um, muscles that pulls up our pelvis when we crawl is is like a big postural muscle, right? And you're not, there's not a way to, you know, engage some of these bigger muscle groups in any other motor skill other than crawling. So what other skill is going to incorporate both sides of the body in a way that crawling would? It wouldn't because see, if you're walking, you're, you know, you're vertical, right? Um, if you're rolling, you're using more of the arm to bring it around, but the core, the core, your gravity's pushing down on you here. And so being on that hands and knees position helps to develop the curvatures, the arches of the hands. So now we have the dexterity, um, handwriting, we have the shoulder girdle, you know, we develop from the center out. Um, so if our shoulder, our our tummy and our hip muscles do not develop correctly, then everything out from there is going to be screwed. So what does that mean? It means that they're not going to be able to maybe run as fast. So is it going to be detrimental? Like they're not going to develop? No. But will that be the kiddo that can't hang in some sports? Maybe. Will it be the kiddo? I think detrimental. Yeah, of course it's going to be because like, think i mean okay we're gonna get a little like melodramatic here for a moment but like (laughs) you have to okay okay so let's say we got a kid doesn't crawl great not great but like so they they set their brain up for they are just not they're struggling to read so then they're falling Mm -hmm. behind they're starting Mm -hmm. to hate going to school um they're diagnosed with dyslexia Uh like starting to need that they continue to feel embarrassed and you know like then they start dealing with anxiety they hate going to school like i mean we're not even going to continue down the road of then they drop out and start doing drugs but (laughs) but like you can see pretty easily just before the kid is eight where it's like school is extremely difficult yeah because my brain did not develop as well like these connections did not develop So now school is difficult. So like, 
I don't think it's that crazy to be able to in like to go like anxiety will also increase with us. Like for sure. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and crawling is got like you said, yeah. Say, say anxiety stems from not being able to do some of those higher level skills, not being able to ride a bike when you're five or six years old and being embarrassed, not wanting to play with your friends on the playground because you can't crawl up the slide because you don't have the bilateral coordination and stability. So you go sit over there in the corner. I've had kiddos come in to see me like that. They're actually some of my favorite. Um, they come in around like three to four and you get them back on track, but yeah, they are on the road to anxiety, depression, worthlessness. And could we fix this with crawling? You can't take crawling away, CDC. Science has not changed. The body has not changed. Just because you said we don't need it, the body still develops exactly the same. So there you have it. I mean, it's science. It's anatomy. It's, it's the biomechanics. That is true science. That's what it is. So whether the CDC says it's worthy of being a gross motor skill or not it doesn't matter the body so what does it look like when you have a kiddo that kind of skipped crawling had a janky crawl and like and we haven't gotten to the fact that they like moved moved those other milestones oh my get to there um so yeah. like what do you do like is there a is it the earlier the better or is it kind of like well no once they're three years old, it's just as difficult to fix as when they're eight or? Um, I think, well, first and foremost, when I started doing this like Instagram page, which was like two and a half years ago, um, I really, there, there was like two other PT, there's like one other PT account, pediatric PT account out there. And so I feel like ever since just bringing more awareness and taking that um, stigma away from it and getting people more aware of what are issues, I think has helped just make things not as scary. So I'll say that first and foremost. So we, I am getting kiddos a little bit earlier, but what makes a difference between a three-year-old and an eight-year-old? Well, what makes a difference cognitively between a three-year-old and an eight-year-old? What, what, what happened in their life between those ages at, at three, three-year-old really doesn't see what's around them. Right. I have a, I have a just now five-year-old and an almost seven-year-old. Um, and what Hannah sees at seven and the emotions she feels, Heidi is just now kind of entering into some of that. So it is easier in that, you know, we're not having to deal with um, the frustration as much, um, the anxiety of failing. Um, saying older or younger? Younger. Okay. Yeah. Um, but both of them, it doesn't matter which one. Um, you will still make the same amount of progress or I typically do. Um, but it is a little bit more challenging because you have to fight through that frustration. You have to make them excited to be there and you have to make it all about them. And like, I get a ton of like little boys um, that are from like six to 10. And those are my favorite, my favorite patients. Um, but you build them up and it takes time, but I would say half of therapy is not only gross motor develop, it's, psychologically building them up but once they're built up they're cocky they're they're awesome like and you set them up for life but yeah it's it's a kind of a crapshoot uh either way but i'm glad um that hopefully even with this platform with instagram um that 
people can look past the CDC and still see what's true. Yeah, I mean, if there's um, anything that I'm hoping for the last couple of years has helped people is to just ask more questions. Yeah. Just ask more questions. And like, you know, I was talking, so um, I have a pediatric OT that I see. Mm-hmm. And we were talking one day because she like works for the hospital, like the hospital's okay. program. And I'm like, yeah, well, at least they like refer to you like they are like our hospital in our town is legally or like their laws is that they're not allowed to refer to pediatric chiropractors. And so I like make a joke. I'm like, it's like illegal for the doc, the pediatricians to recommend to us. And she laughed and she's like, but they don't refer to us. They don't know what we do. And I'm like, what? And she's like, no, they have no idea. I've talked to doctors in our hospital that don't know we even have a pediatric like PTOT wing. Yes. They don't know. And I'm like, wait, what? And so then yeah. it's like how it's there. It's hard because you can't, I, I'm never in the business and I'm sure you are of like bashing any other providers, medical, sure. P, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so like, I had a guest on who said like, you know, it's their reality. So like, we can't be mad that they're not doing these referrals because their reality is that they just don't know. They don't know what they don't know. How, how has that not been fixed yet? Like how is, and this is, I don't expect you to have a great answer to this, but how did they, how, how is it not being talked about more? Like at least PT, like my well, hope was that you guys at least were in the inner circle. Oh no, no, no. I have been to, I've been to many, um, pediatrician offices and you know basically they I mean I was educating them on what I'm doing like they're like you do repositioning um meaning like for torticollis and stuff and I'm like yeah they don't just need a helmet we could reposition them like but it's here I think it goes back just to this whole like medical model that keeps people very much I don't know contained in their area in collaborative work between something like a doctor and maybe an allied health professional isn't maybe as jazzy or is as looked upon um, as something as phenomenal as it should be. We should be collaborative. And and this isn't as a whole. I think there are a lot of, I have a ton of pediatricians that follow me. Um, But yeah, I think it's just something that, again, it goes back to school. And secondly, I will say this, and I don't know about, I probably y'all around the same, but in PT school, we took one pediatric class, mm-hmm. one. And, oh, yeah. and we like, didn't have hands-on. No, yeah. no. I mean, if you got lucky enough to have a clinical rotation. Right. And so that's why like building blocks, um, which is for, you know, PTs, OTs, speech, uh, pediatricians, chiropractors, it's taking that base knowledge and fast forwarding you like five years, because it's like, that's not freaking fair. Like you come out of school, not knowing things and we're, we're expected to know these things. And then P you know, pediatric chiros or PTs or OTs get a bad name that we don't know what we're doing. We don't. <laughs> so maybe that's why the doctors don't refer to us um, because maybe they, they think they're not going to get the results, but that's, that's a flaw in the system. Um, yeah, it really, it really is. What do you have to do? So within chiropractic, there's a couple different main trainings, um, Mm -hmm. that you can do usually about a a year and a half, let's just say, um, of like weekend work that you're doing like once a month. Uh, what, what do you have to do as a, 
as a PT to like say like I am a specialist? Well, that, that's interesting. Um, we're actually would, not allowed to say we're specialists. Um, I was going to say, wait, actually, that's like an illegal word. In our, um, but like I oh. focus on because. yeah. OK, so no. So you can take this test and become a pediatric certified specialist, a PCS. Yeah. And you can put that behind your name. Will that make you more money and give you more clients? Absolutely not. That's the way I say it. I don't have a PCS. What do you have to do, do? Do they provide like a training? Um, you pay. Test? Okay. You pay to do that. And that's something that you do outside of school after you've graduated. Um, now, within school, you can opt to have a clinical rotation. That's usually about 14 weeks in the pediatric realm. Um, I had one. Um, and then my first job out of school, um, I just got lucky and had some phenomenal mentors, an OT and a PT. And they taught me everything. And from that point on, I just... I was able to gain that knowledge from other little places that I went and hopefully tried to share it. But yeah, it's a, it's a big flaw in the system. So I don't know if it's necessarily just the doctors. They don't know. I think, I think it's a collaborative. It just, yep. no one has an answer because there is, there's just not an emphasis on pediatrics. There just isn't. And I don't know why, because kids like they, they used to be healthy. And maybe that's the thing is like, it used to be like, well, the kids are healthy. Why do we need to spend time on them? But the kids are not healthy anymore. Mm -mm. No. And, and so many, and I don't know if this is environmental or what, but I mean, I mean, I see the rarest of the rare, you know, genetic syndromes down to just a torticollis case. But, uh, these, these parents can't get help anywhere like there there's no one who and the doctors are like well I mean they may walk I don't know I mean that's not looking good but it's like so it stinks for some of these patients that have um these like rare genetic syndromes where you think that you know kiddo is going to be healthy but on the outside they do look healthy but on the inside they their body's just not working with them and so I don't know I think that's where that divide becomes um, between the medical professional or the MD and like the allied health and they don't know what we can do. And then they're not referring out. Then now these kiddos don't have like any, I don't know, I guess parents don't have any type of uh, hope that things will get better, but I don't know. I think it's, it's flawed because these parents will pay any amount of money to get their kid better and we can do it. Mm -hmm. cool yeah. like, I mean that's that's got to be why for people who don't know um, Emily's Instagram account it's massively successful um that's, that's gotta take a lot of time when I look at like so yeah well you know I, I when I started it I just started because my friend told me to do it and I was like no one cares about this crap I love it but no one cares about this she's like no 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 just try it and I, this is all organic. I've not, I've not paid for anything. Um, but I just, I love telling people and breaking things down easily. And I just didn't want people to be scared. There's nothing to be scared about just because your kiddo is walking on their toes for, you know, a couple of weeks or two months, I'm going to tell you how to fix it. And I'm gonna tell you why they're doing it. And I'm going to empower you. And that's the empowerment is what people want, especially in this current you know, climate of mm -hmm. 
um, whether it's uh, medical or political, whatever. Um, but they want to feel empowered. And so I think, and I'm, and I was real. Yep. I mean, I was like, I, I went through this um, and it's, and it sucks and it's not fair, but it's not, it shouldn't be scary. So I'm going to tell you how to fix it. And I gave it all away free. I didn't care because it was just like a side gig. And yeah, it's like a second job for sure. I now have a social media person, but I just hired her only like, like nine months ago before that. Oh, I yeah. did it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the other thing that the CDC did. They moved. Is that a Coke oh. zero, by the way? I love that we <laughs> talked about aspartame and I'm like, see, I was mm-hmm. going to grab one, but then I was, I'm always worried. I'm going to burp on. Do you not, are you not a burper? I mean, no, I mean, and if I am, it's okay. You know, just, I, <laughs> you know what? That's really nice of you. You're like, you know what? If I burp on her podcast, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> All right. So the other thing, what else did they do? They, they oh my moved, God. They moved they walking to 18 months, which okay. is for me, if a kiddo isn't walking, my cutoff is 16 months because there's not a lot that's going to change from 16 to 20 months, really, in a child, there isn't. And the reason why they're not walking is pretty, pretty clear. It's typically goes back to the feet. So if we could address those feet at 16 months or 15 months, why would we wait until 18 months when now we need to start learning how to go up and down a step and go on our tiptoes and jump? Why do you You said, so if they're not walking, it's the feet. Talk to me about that. So basically... And I tell this to like all my clinicians and then even what I teach and building blocks. So when you see a kiddo not walking, the first thing you're going to look at, the first thing you're going to address is where that base of support is coming from. And for walking, that is the feet. In sitting, that's the hips. But in standing and walking, that is the feet. If you do not address and put those ankles in the proper alignment, and maybe they're flexible, maybe they're pronated, um, whatever, if those are not in the proper alignment, everything up from there, the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes, are not going to turn on properly. And then you're going to see funky compensations that you're going to see them going up on their toes. Kids are scrappy. They're going to do what they need to do, or they're just going to not stand up because their knee is going to continue to fall over their toes because they have so much you know, dorsiflexion or whatever. So if you address those ankles first, it becomes very clear where the impairment is. And I'd say 90% of the time, putting on a good shoe fixes the issue. Easy as that. Really? Yeah. I would have, I was like, I was going to bank that you were going to say barefoot. Why is everyone all about barefoot then? If you have a typical ankle, a typical ankle, meaning, you know, your kiddo, obviously they, around the 11 to 12 month mark, they did start walking. Um, I would say that's a typical ankle. You don't need to wear shoes um, unless they are, you know, walking 85% of the time and you're like leaving the house, right? Because it's just kind of gross, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. But so if you have a typical ankle, but what we're seeing is, and what the problem is, is that these kiddos are 14, 16, 18 months, they're still not walking. And they think barefoot is best and keeping them barefoot is actually doing more detriment. I mean, that foot is all cartilage, all cartilage until about two, three years old. Right. And it's not going to fully ossify until about seven. So if you don't put a good external support on kind of a, a foot that's not doing everything it needs to be doing, then 
a lot of things get kind of messed up. So this is for a kid that is standing and mm-hmm. not walking. But yeah, and you and and that's why I try to do a lot of pictures. I'm a very visual person. So like on my Instagram, you'll see a lot of videos, a lot of pictures because people want to see what it looks like. So to be pronated, right? To have a fallen arch inherently is not a bad thing. Um, it doesn't mean that they're doomed to be, uh, you know, delayed, but it does mean that when they're learning a skill like walking, it, it will probably delay them a little bit and they're going to need a good shoe forever. My husband has the flattest feet ever. And he was, he was delayed in walking, <laughs> like didn't walk until he was like 16 months, but he, you know, he's a PT as well. And he's always on his feet. He has to buy new shoes every two to three months and it has to be Brooks and they have to be, you know, you have to have like the four things, you know, like the solid arch and the last not needs to be curved and all these things. But so I think shoe education is a big thing, but I know the whole barefoot is best. I mean that, I think you take that for what it is. If you see your kid falling behind in a skill that you, you know, they should be doing Mm-hmm. Um, meaning they pulled a stand at say at 10 months and at 16 months, they're still not walking. There's something yeah, going on put, with that ankle. Put, put a damn shoe on them. Put, put a, and I'll tell you, they put a shoe on it and that kid takes at least one or two steps. They have confidence. And I'm like, you're not screwing them up by putting a shoe on them and, and educating them on what are good shoes. No one talks about shoes. I don't know why. Well, because I, I feel yeah. like I've been told that barefoot is best. But yeah, because, but, and then that's the, the whole thing, you know, it's like with the back to sleep campaign, you know, don't put your child on their belly, but what are, what are some of the issues that arise from that? Well, it could be, you know, positional plagiocephaly, you know, torticollis, same thing with shoes. Like if barefoot is best and you do not want to put a shoe, you're going to see some delays. Mm -hmm. If a kid with possibly has some issues going on with their ankle. Can you imagine how pissed off the PTs were back in, what was it, 91 with the back to sleep camp? Oh, gosh, you got to know. Which just gives me no hope because, like, that didn't change. That didn't change. You know what? But this is the deal. Social media was not what it is now. It's true. And we are empowering moms, dads, um, grandparents, uh, other clinicians to say, that isn't right. And giving them the confidence to do that. That's the difference. That, yeah. Um, so besides walking, there was another one, right? There's another, there, I, in my head, there were like three big changes. Right. Oh, I, and I think there were some speech, some speech ones too, but um, another one was um, they didn't learn how to sit until nine months. Um, but that was also um, coincided with, they also learned how to transition and pull the stand at nine months. And I was like, that is categorically impossible. It is impossible because the child is not going to have the protective reactions if they just learned how to sit. It's going to take at least a month to acquire any type of protective reaction. And then after they have that, then they have to have the hip stability to go into that side sit and pull into their tall knees. So how in the world are they in nine months going to do that same skill? It's impossible. So we talked about like, okay, so... I love talking about the gross motor I love it. It's like, I my, love. it's like my jazzy. So then, okay, we talked about why the CDC changed it, mm-hmm. right? Like, makes sense, money. Why is it needing to be changed? 
could that be part of the pandemic? I don't know. Like, is is the care not there? Um, and we're pushing everything back because, you know, just where we've been as a country, like everything's been on hold. I don't know, possibly. I Or is it maybe parents are at home more with their kiddos and they're becoming more aware of issues and they're getting more freaked out and they're going to their pediatrician saying, this doesn't look right, this doesn't look right, whereas before they wouldn't. And now they're trying to make some um, concessions for that. I don't know. I think, uh, I think probably... I feel like there has to be something with all the pandemic stuff that has made a shift with the CDC and making them wanting to do it now. Why, why now? Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing of why now, but like also what's going on with the kids? Like what is happening to these kids that they're just, it's getting worse and worse each year. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think it's it can go a lot of different ways. <laughs> go a lot of different ways uh, with I that. I think it's a lot of it. Like I think if anybody thinks that there's a single component, it's like no. I think in general we're we're kind of butchering we're butchering childhood like these first early developmental years. Yeah, I mean if 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 I was a speech therapist and you were asking me the same thing about some of the things that they took out thing that I would mention, right? Because maybe that is um holding up articulation or expressive language. What I don't know. Say, sorry, a, you what what would be something you'd mention? You masks. Oh, masks, yeah. I was like, is that affecting um, expressive language? Is that affecting um, articulation? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're, you you got to know that your breath support isn't as as great. And you're, you know, you're not going to get that breath um, sound or diaphragm isn't going to be expanding as much because your oxygen is now. I don't know. I mean, so this yeah. is why I'm thinking that if I was a speech therapist, I'd say that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's. It's hard to say it's one or the other, but well, um, and it's hard that nobody like it feels like so we're the ones that are just being told, right? We're the chiros, we're the PTs, we're the OTs, we're the speech yeah. therapists. Um, and even like you're just your pediatrician, right? Like we're just being told. And so it's like, well, who's in charge of asking the 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 harder questions of like why? Like in well, they didn't even of, have they didn't even have a clinician, they didn't even have a PT, OT, speech, Cairo on the board that made all these rules up at the CDC, right? It was all medical doctors. There was no one in the allied health profession. Don't you think that's funny? Interesting? That's weird. I mean, not that chiropractors weren't like, <laughs> I would have like, um, but like a PT, I go back to like, come on, you guys, I was hanging my hat on the fact that like you were in the inner circle. Um, no, like a neurologist. Well, and like, honestly, like, let's be honest, a pediatric neurologist, like they're, they're focusing on different things. Like, no, they are. And, and, and I, I had a meeting with a pediatrician and I was like, why aren't you referring here? And why aren't you doing this? And he's like, look, Emily, we've got to look at the whole body, the whole, all the systems. Okay. We've got a short amount of time to do that. And we have to look at the whole body of a child. So no, we're not going to focus specifically and hone in on the musculoskeletal system for 
X, Y, Z amount of time. Cause there simply isn't enough time, but that's why we have you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to make rules and change something like gross motor development, that is like our specialty and not include us in it is kind of crazy. And because they aren't, I mean, they're, they aren't the experts in movement, but they are, they are the experts of the whole body, but this was specific. This was specific. Yeah, yep, this was specific. There was an opportunity <clears throat> there. So, well, okay. Um, for the listeners, whether they're parents or PTs or Kairos, um, or anybody else, my mom, um, talk to me about your courses and is this the building blocks you've mentioned this a couple times so I've got yeah I've got um a couple different courses so I um have courses that are strictly for parents um they're video courses they're easy they're digestible they're short they're to the point um rolling is one of them crawling within the crawling it has like transitions the janky crawl the army crawl how to fix some of those issues and then you have walking um starting from my daughter had a slutty crawl i called it the stripper crawl where she (laughs) what was that would have so like she would kind of be like on the floor in like a captain morgan stance right so like Uh yeah and she would just like scooch her way across. Okay. Yeah, she kind of figured it out. We like made sure it was that- like it's like a it was like a mixture of like a bum scoot and like a janky. Yeah, um, but I called it her her stripper crawl because it looked like a, a magic mic <laughs> kind of like Channing like what he would do, and I was just like, it was hilarious. I love um, it. Yeah, I don't know if but, I have it on video, but <laughs> you you gotta find that. I'm gonna find Freaking that. Find it's that. Gotta be on video. And then, yes, but almost <laughs> giving it a name. Yeah, but no, but giving it a name, even just like a janky crawl or something, it's it's more approachable, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's what I was trying to do with the courses. And a lot of times it's a tight hip. A lot of times it is just fixing how they stand up, um, whether going up with that left leg, go up with the right leg, easy changes, and then you can fix the issue. So it's a way to empower the parents. Um, where there may be an issue where they don't feel like they have to go directly to therapy. Let's try this first and see if making some changes at home and implementing your 20 minutes of purposeful play, see if that makes a difference. Um, I guarantee you it will take you at least two, three, four steps um, further, if not where you want to be in terms of your child's development. Um, And you'll start to learn some things. Um, So I've got walking, crawling, rolling, sitting, and transitions come out in like two, uh, maybe a month or so. Um, and fourth trimester guide where I talk about like everything from birth to that four month mark in terms of gross motor development and what you should be looking out for and things like that. And then um, building blocks is for clinicians. So that's all about um, teaching facilitation techniques, um, how to address some of these impairments and how to critically think. Um, and that also has a little, and that also has, um, pelvic floor PT women's health in it. So it's a little bit of both. And it had chiropractic this time around upper extremity, lower extremity, um, with Matt. Um, and he did a lot of manual. So question from like a business standpoint, like, did you, when you were making these courses, like worry, like this just business. Okay. (laughs) Did you worry like, well, I don't want people trying to fix their own shit. I want them to come in and pay me the expert 
you know, like within mm-hmm. here's where my brain as a chiropractor, yeah, it's it's like it sounds like what your courses are, which are obviously seem safer of like, oh, does your elbow hurt? Well, try doing this move type of thing. Like, you know. well, and that's where you get into that gray area of wellness and therapy, right? Wellness is basically anything you can find. I feel like anything you can Google and find. Um, but even without that being said, um, I am just one person. So my visits are 45 minutes to an hour. How many people do you get in 45 minutes to an hour? You get in a ton more. Right. Don't you? But, but right. still like, yeah, yeah. If I was limited so, to 15 minutes, it'd be. And you, you mentioned you're 35. I'm 37. I'll be 38 in August. I'm getting old. I'll be 36 in September. Yeah. I'm getting old and my body is tired. I have to have a find a way to passively help people because I can't help everyone. Well, and I would imagine, you know, if somebody's bought your course and like, you're like, okay, great. So you already tried that kind of intro step. Now I can save time and go right to this next. Exactly. Like that didn't work. Yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah, I think it just came down to I, I can't treat everyone. Yep. So this is a way to kind of give some control to the parents in a way that's safe. And really it's easy. These are just ways to play purposely with your child. I hate playing with my kids. Did you you always like playing with your kids? No, no, I did. This is what I did. The purposeful play. This is why I am a type A, like Mom, and this is why my children are the way they are. I can never just play with them. I can, I have goals. My PT (laughs) brain has goals. I'm like, why are you just sitting there? Reach for that toy right there. (laughs) You're great. You're great. Well, next time I'm in Dallas, we'll, we'll meet up for sure. Yes. Yeah. You, you were, um, you got to see, um, Courtney when you were here, right? I did. I did. I got to see Courtney Gowan. Yeah. We, we've gone out to dinner with her a couple of times. She came to my Christmas party um she's so sweet she is a blast yeah so yep I showed up to the Ritz Carlton in a um vintage band tee and I was like well I thought we were going two-stepping but that's all right the Ritz it's fine she <laughs> loves the Ritz yeah <laughs> okay we'll tell people where to find more of you yeah um you can find me on my Instagram um which is connective kids or is it connective at connective underscore kids my website, www.connectedkids.com. Um, and that tells you everything about virtual visits, um, chiropractic, PT, how to, how to get the courses, everything. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so, so much. I am just absolutely fangirling over what you and Matt <laughs> are doing. Um, I, I don't know the Enneagram three husband of yours. He's got to be pushing you to like franchise, right? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like the, I just want to be in control. I, I just don't know what I'm going to do either, other than that. I just, just want to be in control of it, <laughs> but that's just eight. What are you? Are you I'm a, a three? Yeah. New. Yep. Three, my mom's seven, an eight. And eight. So I'm very familiar with eights. She tried telling me that she actually thought she was a nine and I laughed. I was like, very <laughs> large, very large difference, mom. Sorry, you're definitely not a nine. So yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, all right, Emily, was, thank you so much. Yes, this was fun. Let's do it again. Um, if you ever want to, yeah, really freak people out, just 
talk about more of the PT chiro model, it like blows their mind. One day I'll just get strong enough to, uh, maybe you, you want, that's what I'll do. I, when I put this episode out, I am going to ask my audience, like, what do you think about this idea of working with a PT? I think you're going to be surprised at how many people are like, hell yes. Yeah. So. Like, oh, I, I, hey, I should get a fruit basket for all the pediatric <laughs> chiropractors who have gotten patients because of me. <laughs> you should. We should all get fruit baskets, Dan. Can I get some fruit? <laughs> Lord. Fruit. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Thank you all so right. much. Bye, hon. All right. Thank you for having me on. Bye-bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.